At Gates, we are passionate about the Word of God. We hope the message you are about to listen to empowers you today. We're in our series entitled Thanksgiving, the Key to Greatness. And I want to just continue to pick up, I want to reread some of the foundational scriptures that we've looked at and used in the last few weeks. Um, but I believe that truly, this is a, a key to you being great in your life, understanding what greatness is. I've given you these couple of definitions. They've evolved week to week, but I want to give you the definitions I gave you last week. Uh, number one, the word thanksgiving. It's to be actively, to be actively full of gratitude and praise and thankfulness. To be actively full of gratitude, praise, and thankfulness. The word greatness, because the title of this message today is Thanksgiving, the key to greatness. And true greatness is just becoming more like God. To be great in your life is to be like God. Psalm 150 and verse 2 says, Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. God is great, and He's excellent at it. (laughs) And the key to greatness in your and my life is to just being like Him. Just being like Him. I said this to you last week. It's worth repeating. Ungratefulness disqualifies you from greatness. Being ungrateful disqualifies you from being great. I'm going to say it again. Being ungrateful disqualifies you from being great. So by the end of this message today, you will have certain personal keys to unlock this greatness just by things that I'm giving you from the Word. Amen? So, you and I have to learn how to cultivate a life of thankfulness and thanksgiving. You have to develop it. You have to cultivate it. You're a person that, I mean, you know what? Everybody says things they shouldn't say every single day. Everybody, things pop out of your mouth. You know what? We don't have to, but we do. We don't have to, but we do, but we don't have to. And I'm focusing on the fact that I don't have to, and I don't have to repent for something I shouldn't have said. I don't want to walk around with a pooper scooper cleaning up all my messes all the time based on the words that I speak. We don't have to. We do at times, but we don't have to. And I believe we can come to the, to the place in our lives where we go days without saying something we shouldn't have said. If we cultivate this life of thankfulness, you're not going to, you know, let everything that comes to you, top of your head, coming out of your mouth, you're not going to change that overnight. You have to cultivate it. You have to cultivate it. I believe Psalm 34, 1 through 3 is probably one of my favorites concerning this. What, what is Thanksgiving? To be actively full of gratitude, praise, and thankfulness. Psalm 34, One through three, I will bless the Lord. David says, I will bless the Lord at all times. 
His praise shall continually be in my mouth. How often? Continually. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His name together. I will bless the Lord at all times. How often? All times. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. First Thessalonians 5, I, read, I, read the, I think I read this verse last week or the week before. It, it, it talks about what the will of God is. And it says, rejoice always, that's one verse. Pray without ceasing, that's another verse. And then the third one is, and in all things give thanks. This is the will of God for your life. In all things. Everybody say in. Everybody say in. Not for all things. I'm not thanking Him for all things. I'm thanking Him in the midst of anything I face, how great He is. How great He is. Not for all things, in all things. Something bad happens, some situation happens, and it wasn't what you intended to happen. You're not thanking God for the bad situation. Nowhere in the Word. Does it encourage us to thank Him for bad things? But when bad things happen, God can always turn the table when we are developing and cultivating a life of gratefulness so that when we face things, and you will, you'll face things in life that you didn't intend to face, but when you face them, He will see you through them. Many are the persecutions that come against the righteous, but my God delivers me from all of them. The Apostle Paul said that. My God has delivered me from all of them, and He was in some tough times. No matter what you face, your God will deliver you in all things, but it matters what you say. It matters what you say. Two verses of Scripture that we've read around here many times, but I'm just kind of adding it to the mix today. One's found in 1 Corinthians 15.57, and it just simply says this, But, thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Say it. Thanks be to God. Say it again. Come on, say it again. Well, the verses before that are talking about things that have happened or how the enemies come to steal and, and, and how issues or situations try to get the best of you. But... Thanks be to God who always, how often? Always, how often? Always, always gives me the victory. But you know what you got to get in your mouth is the but thanks be to God. You got to get it in your mouth. It's got to remain in your mouth. It's got to continue in your life every single day. But thanks be to God. Yeah, but this situation, but. Yeah, 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 but what was the the verse of Scripture that I just read you in Proverbs? The the verse of Scripture in Proverbs that I just gave you as 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 a prophetic word, that you'll be surprised in life how few troubles that you have when you watch everything that comes out of your mouth. 
one of the best statements you can ever have or make in your life is, but thanks be to God. Yeah, but this situation, your, your mind's screaming out, saying that, but thanks be to God. The way to stop negative thoughts is with positive words. You can't stop thoughts with thoughts. Negative will remain. That's how powerful negative thoughts are. But positive words, and I'm not just talking about the power of positive declaration. I'm talking about the power of positive declaration from the Word of God. Thanks be to God. That's Scripture in verse. Thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph. 2 Corinthians 2.14 is pretty close. Now, thanks be to God who always leads me in triumph in Christ. And through us diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. We won't get into it today, but that last part of that verse of Scripture says that the Word of God has a fragrance. And it's not something that you smell with your natural nose. It's a fragrance that other people experience as a result of what, how you're overcoming. How you're walking in victory even when. See, it doesn't mean... See, victory is not, victory is not just the times when everything is going well. Victory has to be experienced by faith if it's going to be from God. And that means you're going to have the times when it doesn't look like it's working, but thanks be to God. And when people see you be able to overcome when you shouldn't be overcoming, you should be moaning and groaning and crying and woe is me and how bad everything is. When people see that, it, 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 it releases this it, it, it's an odor. Not like bad B.O. It's an odor. It's a fragrance. You, you ever been somewhere and they had, you know, you know those little things that's over a door maybe in, a, in, in some type of a business or a doctor's office or whatever, and it's a little fragrance box. Pew. They used to be, man, they used to be horrible. You'd walk in somewhere and it just happened to spray right when your face was right there and you're like, it just get all over you. But that's the way it is with God. All of a sudden, your life begins to spray this fragrance of victory. People start realizing, wow, if they can do it, maybe I can. They can overcome, maybe I can. It takes but thanks be to God. It takes that being a part of your life. It's not just the statement itself, but believing in what the statement says. But thanks be to God who always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. How often? Always. I ask you the question again. How often? How often is that? Like there's never a time that you won't overcome. There'll never be a time when it's a part of you 
that you will not overcome no matter what you face. Why? Because Jesus has already overcome. This is the victory that overcomes the world. My faith in the fact that He overcame. And that's what's got to be cultivated day to day. Can you say amen? We read this passage the last couple of weeks, so just, just reminding, of it, reminding you of it again. And it's in Luke 9, and um, it's when Jesus had, was ministering healing and ministering deliverance, and, and He and His disciples, He took His disciples out into a, in, in a distant place trying to be away from the crowds, but they found Him. And so, how many saw the, the, the uh, what's it called? I always want to call it the passion. <clears throat> Who saw what? The chosen. Gosh. <clears throat> how, how many saw the chosen in the last few days? Come on, raise your hand if you saw the chosen. It was awesome. You missed it. No, it's still out there. <clears throat> You'll get it. You, you can see it on the app or whatever. But it was awesome. Amen? Really awesome. But they went out to this faraway place and all the people found him. And so Jesus started preaching to them about the kingdom and healing all those who were oppressed of the devil. All those who were sick in their body, he began to heal them. And it says in verse 13, but he said to them, to his disciples, well, I, I skipped a little bit. Uh, his disciples, it was getting to be evening, and his disciples came to him and said, hey, uh, the, the people are here. We need to let them go so they can go eat. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. This is what he said in verse 13. But he said to them, no, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish. My point here in this passage right here is they didn't see that they had enough. They didn't see they had enough. What should have come out of their mouth was this. This is what he was looking for. All along, and I'm going to read another passage here in a moment. I'm adding a new one. And, and, I, and I want you to think about this. All along, Jesus had like three and a half years. I don't know that he knew how long he had, but he had about a little over three years to get this in them so that when he left, they could operate the same way he was operating. And I think there were many days when he was discouraged because they weren't getting it. He said, you give them something to eat. And they said, we have no more than five loaves and two fish unless we go buy food or whatever. For there were about 5,000 men. And I told you last week, it probably about 8,000 people. Then he said to his disciples, 8,000 people. And he said, you feed them. And they had five loaves and two fish. Would Jesus tell them to do something that they didn't have more than enough to do it with? Would Jesus ever tell you to do something that you didn't already have more than enough? Then he said the disciples make them sit down in groups of 50. They did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, 
He blessed and thanked and praised God for more than enough. When Jesus said, you go feed them, what he was looking for from them is, we have five loaves and two fish, but (laughs) thanks be unto God who's given me more than enough. Thanks be unto God, that's what he was looking for in this situation. And he didn't get it from. And that's what throughout the Gospels he was looking for with the people was their faith in him that he was sent by God to be their elder brother and to lead them into the victory that we're talking about today and in every message that we preach. See, there's something here, and and I want you to think about this. If you're thankful for something, or you're unthankful for something, there's nothing in between. Right? If I ask you, are you you thankful today? Well, kind of. That means you're unthankful. There's no in-between. Thankful or unthankful. We've all been unthankful and had attitude and lacking gratitude and all that stuff. We've all been at that place. My encouragement to you today is to take the butt and add to it Thanks be to God who causes me to triumph in this situation. That's what Jesus was working on with his disciples in this situation here and in the next story I'm fixing to read to you. And that's what he's wanting with his disciples today. I want you to clean your mouths up. I want you to quit focusing on what you see. I want you to quit focusing on the way things appear to be and to believe that everything today is subject to change according to my words. Jesus isn't coming back down from heaven. He's not going back to the cross to fix some situation in your life. He's already done it. Did you hear me? He's already done it. Now you and I have to begin to act like it's so. And when you don't see it happening and you don't feel like it's happening, that's when you've got to apply what His Word and what He says He's already done for you and I. We have to apply that with our mouths until we believe. Well, I'll believe it when I see it. You won't doesn't work that way. It's totally backwards. Oh, man, in the chosen. So this woman comes and gives a report to the disciples after Jesus' servant, sermon on the mount. And uh, this woman gives, brings a report back from John. He's in jail now, and he's, in, and he's saying some things, and, 
and she's giving them a report, and, and um, she had already, when she brought the report, it was after the Sermon on the Mount, and John had told her, you need to go and hear the Sermon on the Mount. And when she finally gets to talk to Jesus, she's saying, telling him what John had said, and uh, she said, but what do you think about the message? And then she tells him, and then she said that, the, the woman said that John wanted you, Jesus, to come back and see him. And he said he couldn't go, but he, I'll send Andrew, Peter's brother. And so Andrew had been in the beginning, kind of the ending of, of uh, John's ministry, um, John the Baptist's ministry. And so they knew each other, and so he went to see him. And when John is in prison and he sees the woman and Andrew, he asks this question. He said, he asked the woman, did you hear his message? And she said, yeah. And he said, and what did his message say? And she said, it was all backwards. Love your enemies. Forgive those who despitefully use you. She says, all backwards, saying all these kind of things that are backwards, but she said it was life-changing. It's backwards to think that I'm going to believe something before I see it. It's backwards. And God is saying, until we begin to see what He says is so, and that's a part of us, we won't see the natural things change. And it was so beautiful, though, the way that lady said it. Oh, oh, oh it, was, it was amazing, but it was all backwards. <laughs> we don't love our enemies, we take them out. Huh? No. No. The kingdom of God doesn't make sense. That's why I'm preaching to you about putting the but in your vocabulary. Thanks be to God. And when you get the but and the thanks be to God in your vocabulary, you'll begin to believe that that's so. And that's what comes out of your mouth when your mouth wants to say all kinds of other things. Because the word I gave you earlier was, He wants you to live your life surprised at how few troubles you have because of how you've changed what you say. My second to the last story. Well, no, this is my last story and then then three verses after this. And this is a long story. The reason it's so long is because I'm reading it in the Amplified. This is, <clears throat> this is the story of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it's found in John 11, and starting with verse 1. Now, a certain man named Lazarus was ill. He was of Bethany, the village where Mary and her sister Martha lived. This Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her, with her hair. 
It was her brother Lazarus who is now sick. I, I, don't care. I can't tell you how many people, when I've ever read this passage right here, they ask me, is this Mary Magdalene here? And you know what I tell them? That half of the church world says it is, and the other half says it isn't. <laughs> anyway. <clears throat> it was her brother Lazarus who is now sick. So the sisters sent to him saying to Jesus, Lord, he whom you love so well is sick. When Jesus received the message, he said, this sickness is not to end in death. This sickness will not end in death. She sent the word, my brother's sick, about to die. This sickness but thanks be to God who will triumph in this situation. Can you say amen? <clears throat> and he said, this sickness is not to end in death, but on the contrary, it is to honor God and to promote His glory that the Son of Man may be glorified through or by it. People say, well, see, God gets glory for sickness. That's not what he's talking about. And the rest of the story will show you that's not what he's talking about. What he's talking about is this opportunity for not only healing to come, but somebody to be raised from the dead will give God the glory. Can you say amen? <clears throat> now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and, and Lazarus, they were his dear friends. And he held them in loving esteem. Therefore, even when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he ran there as quick as he could. Is that what it says? Mm -mm. He still stayed two days longer in the same place where he was. So he only did what Father said. He never went anywhere except what father, where Father said go and in the, in the timing that Father said to come. Verse 17, so when Jesus arrived, he found that he, Lazarus, had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away, and a considerable number of the Jews had gone to see Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to, to meet him while Mary remained sitting in the house. Martha then said to Jesus, Master, watch this, this is key right here. Master, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Do you think that she was saying that kindly and in a non-emotional way? But it just got through saying that they were weeping. She said, had you been here, he would not have died. And even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, he will grant it to you. Jesus said to her, your brother shall rise again. He had already said that. Your brother shall rise again. Martha replied, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, 
I am myself the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, believes in, adheres to, trusts in, and relies on me, although he may die, yet he shall live. And whoever continues to live and believes in, has faith in, cleaves to, and relies on me, shall never actually die at all. Then he looks at Martha and says, do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. He didn't answer her question. They had settled that he was the Christ. But what he was trying to get over to them was, you've got to be in a place where you can do what I do in the earth. I want you to see that in the rest of what I read here. He's trying to get over to them, you've got to be able to do what I do in the earth, or it's not going to profit that I go away. Because he told him, it'll profit you that I go away, because when I go away and where I'm going, I'm taking you there, and you're going to sit with me at the right hand of the Father in all authority, dominion, and power, but you've got to believe it in your life. When we get on the other side, when we're face-to-face with God, that's one thing. But God wants you to see Him and believe in Him now to be able to handle the resistance that comes against us. And it takes faith in God to do that, and it takes changing what we say. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God. To this point, he's not seeing what he was looking for. It is for your coming that the world has waited. After she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary privately, whispering to her, the teacher is close in hand and is asking for you. When she heard this, she sprang up quickly, Mary did, and went on. Now, Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at the same spot where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were sitting with her in the house and consoling her saw how hastily Mary had risen and gone out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to pour out her grief there, because she was in great grief where she was. When Mary came to the place where Jesus was and saw him, she dropped down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, I think she and Martha had worked this story out, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Exact same words that Martha gave him. When Jesus saw her sobbing and the Jews who came with her also sobbing, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Everybody say troubled. Why? They weren't getting it. See, before this, before this situation right here, he had sent his disciples out two by two, anointing them to do what? Heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And here's Mary and Martha and Lazarus, who everybody knew. And this wasn't happening. And it said, he was always moved with compassion for people, but he was troubled 
because they weren't getting it. Um, He chafed in spirit and sighed and was disturbed. And he said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. The Jews said, see how tenderly he loved him? They were thinking he was weeping because he had died. They didn't know he was going to tell them to move the stone out. He wept because of what they weren't getting. But some of them said, could not he who opened a blind man's eyes have prevented this man from dying? See, they're still thinking it's over. Now, Jesus again sighing, repeatedly and deeply disquieted, approached the tomb. It was a cave, a hole in the rock, and a boulder lay against the entrance to close close it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha, the sister of the dead man. uh, Let's see. Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, exclaimed, But Lord, by this time he is decaying and throws off an offensive odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you, did I not tell you, did I not tell you, and promise you that if you would believe and rely on me, you would see the glory of God? If you would believe, if you would see something and something going on and something happening, but begin to look and acknowledge to God and declare, but thanks be to God, I don't care what this looks like, but thanks be to God who's given us the victory, Lazarus shall live. That's what he was looking for with the people. See, they had been given the anointing even before Jesus died. They had been given a down payment of that anointing that you and I have today to do the same exact things. They were given that down payment. They were given a portion of that anointing to go and heal the sick, raise the dead, cast out devils. And Jesus, His weeping and His sobbing and His distress and His being upset was the fact that they weren't getting it wasn't the fact that he was in the grave. He already said he'll live and not die in, it, in so many words. When he's in the grave, he told them before they got to the grave, he'll live, he'll rise. Yes, we know he'll rise in the resurrection. And No, 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 we're talking about right now. They weren't getting it. And I'm just telling you today, Jesus doesn't want you and I to be people that are not getting it. He wants us to be people that are getting it and believing it. Jesus said, the works you'll do, the works that I did, you'll do, and even greater works because I've gone to the Father. Jesus, today, right now, this moment, is seated at the right hand of the Father in all authority, all dominion, and all power. And he said in Ephesians 2, we are seated with him in heavenly places. We're represented with Him. He said it. I didn't say that. He said it. He said we are represented with Him. Now, He wants us to do in the earth what He came to empower us to do. But until we change the way we talk, till we go from unthankful hearts 
and ungrateful hearts to thankful and grateful hearts, focusing on the good that's going on instead of what's not right. Many people focus all the time on what they don't have in comparison with what other people have. Well, they got this, and, you know, it just seems like God never does it. There's no thankfulness there. There's no but in that. Or there's but equals destruction. God wants you and I declaring every day, thanks be to God, always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. Based on what He did and what He accomplished, I have the victory. Can you say amen? Let me just finish this little path. This past here because I want to show you what he did that caused this to happen. So they took away the stone and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, they took away the stone, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you. I thank you. Thank you, Father, that you've heard me. Thank you for what you've done for me. God, I'm so grateful and thankful for what you're allowing me to show them right here so that they can believe that you're real. Yeah, but you know, that was Jesus. No. No. Jesus left the glory and the, and the riches of heaven to come to the poverty of this earth so He could be the Son of Man. He could be our elder brother. He could be the one that led us. He left the godliness and, and, and the deity of God. He left it to come to the earth to be just like you and I. The only difference is He was who He was. But everything that went with that, He negated it and said, I'm going to live this life, I'm going to be born into this life. The only difference was he was born to a virgin. That's never, been ha- that's never happened. He was born and birthed by a virgin. And as a result of him being birthed, he lived a life empowered, learning all the time, when he was 12 years old, they left him in Jerusalem. They, they left to go home and three days' journey, and they come back, and they're finding him, and he's in church. I mean, I mean, for three days, he'd been in church. I don't know if he slept there or what he did, but he was in church the whole time. And it said, he said, I, I've been about my father's business. And Mary kind of got it, but kind of didn't. And it said, from that day on, from, from 12 years old, up till 12 years old, and from 12 to 30, he did exactly what his parents told him to do. And he grew in favor and in blessing of God and men because he obeyed, because he learned who he was so that he could lead us in that in a perfect way. Yeah, but you know, Jesus is Jesus, and Jesus could just do it because He was Jesus. No, not if He was going to be the perfect sacrifice. He had to become, He became like us. 
Now, He's empowered us to become like Him. And that's what we have to do day by day. What Jesus did, then He spoke to Lazarus, commanded him to come out of the grave, and He walked out of the grave. Right? Why? Because He gave thanks in the situation that God was bigger than the death because Father had told Him what to do. You're thinking about raising somebody from the dead? You better make sure you heard from God. Because I've heard people that tried that and they went to jail. Amen? But I've seen other people do it. I've never done it, but I've seen other people do it and it works. When God says, this is what you do. And that comes, your ability to hear God comes from you daily developing that attitude of gratitude and thankfulness and praise and honor of how great God is. Can you say amen? So Philippians 4, 6 through 8, and I'll end with this. Philippians 4, 6 through 8. Be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with what? There's our title word. Be anxious for nothing. How do you do that? Be anxious. The word anxious means to be worried, fretful, upset about how much? Zero. How do you do that? This is how you do this. I told you I was going to leave you with the how-to. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in how much? Everything, by prayer and supplication, declaration with your mouth, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. But thanks be to God, thank you, Father, that in this situation you're causing me to triumph. It may be financial, maybe physical, maybe mental, maybe something with relationships with other people, maybe all kinds of different things that you're facing. He said, He said, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Next verse. And the peace of God, which passes all of your understanding, will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. It's the lack of peace that keeps people anxious. Did you hear me? It's the lack of peace that keeps people anxious. How do you get to the peace? By doing what he said. Be anxious for nothing, but instead replace anxiety with making declarations, supplications, with thanksgiving. Let any request that you have be made known to God with thanksgiving, not begging Him. Oh, God. You got to do it. Or else. No, no, no. That's not the way to go before God. You're going before the one that already did it all. Father, I thank you for what you have done. I thank you, Father, that you've met all my needs. I thank you that you healed my body. I thank you, Father, that you've given me peace of mind and everything in life. I thank you. You're thanking him. You're going to him with thanksgiving, thanking him what, for what his word says is already so, and it will become that way in your life if you make it a part of you. Yeah, Pastor, but... It's just so hard. I'm just not sure how to get to that. Well, he tells you in the next two verses. 
or in the next verse, last verse, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue or anything praiseworthy, anything worthy of praise, do what? Meditate on these things. And all of the things he just talked about right there have to do with God and His Word. And he said, if you meditate on this, if you'll meditate these things, it'll become a part of you and you will see the victory that our Lord Jesus Christ has paid for. The more you meditate and, and meditation of God's Word is not just thinking about it, but it's replacing certain thoughts with other thoughts by what you say. And then thinking that through on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, no, 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 I have the victory. Father, I thank You that I have the victory. Thank you in this situation, I have the victory. Thank you that no matter what I feel like or no matter what it appears to be, I have the victory in this situation. He said, if you'll meditate on those things that are from God's Word, that are first pure and and, and lovely and of good report and any virtue or anything praiseworthy, if you'll meditate on those things instead of meditating on the opposites, that's where you'll see the victory. Thanksgiving is the key to greatness in our life because we learn how to be grateful and we learn how to be thankful in every situation. In the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, we invite you to share it with someone in your life. We would love for you to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. You can also download our app and stay connected to Gates and access to the Word of God anytime you need it. We are believing that the seed of today's Word is going deep in your heart and that you always remember God is more than enough in every situation of your life.